Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we have a new federal government for the first time in nine years, but that's not what diverts our attention. Mold. There's more to the latest flooding catastrophe for the industry as a new problem is affecting claims. Unfold. After the election, what is the new Minister for Financial Services, Katie Gallagher, planning for the industry? Withhold. And if you drive into floodwaters, you might not be covered. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by editor John Dix, chairman Terry McMullen, and deputy editor Wendy Pugh. Good morning, John. Morning. Did you enjoy a democracy sausage on the weekend? I didn't. It was my first time voting as an Australian, and I, I was really looking forward to that. But where I rocked up, the polling station, they, they had no sausages. So I don't know. They need, to, they need to make it clearer which ones have sausages and which don't. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> us with the key issues. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, did you get a democracy sausage? I did, and also some uh, democracy uh, cakes from a stall as well. So I did pretty well. Excellent, excellent. And hello, Terry. Good morning. And your electorate, do they have a, a plethora of vegan and hipster options? No, actually, we, we voted early and there was... Absolutely nothing around. I, I think the whole democracy sausage thing needs to be sorted out and legislated because a lot of people did miss out on their democracy sausage and it's all the media talk about the whole time. <laughs> well, John, we won't know the exact results for a while yet. That's on the election, not on democracy sausages. But we have a new government. What does this mean for the insurance industry? Well, yes, that's right. A lot of people might be wondering. We don't know for sure, obviously, but we can cast a bit of light on the issue because before the election, we sent a series of very detailed questions to Labour and the coalition. Believe it or not, Labour replied. The coalition didn't. And so we got a series of answers from Matt Thistlethwaite, who was then Shadow Assistant Minister for financial services back in March. And we've published those answers in full on our website for the first time because they do cast a bit of light on what, what might be happening. Probably the key thing is that Labour, as we know, committed to the Insurance Council's demands for $200 million a year on mitigation measures to be matched, hopefully, by states and territories. So he explains about that. Obviously, climate as well. Labour points out their stronger targets for emissions reductions than the coalition. And you know what that means in practice, I guess we'll wait and see, but it could mean things like electric vehicles and and renewable energy rolling out a bit faster and, and obviously insurers will have and the whole insurance industry will have an interest in that. There's another pledge to carry out proper consultation if there are any further regulatory reforms, which the Insurance Council and others would be delighted about. They're a little more vague on a few other issues like land use planning. They say they'd have more to say on that in the future. And on insurance taxes, state-based insurance taxes, there's just a one-line answer that we will work with the states to ensure the insurance system is as efficient and effective as possible, which doesn't tell us an awful lot, maybe doesn't bode well for that particular issue, which is a bugbear for the industry as we know. Well, they never like to take sides publicly, Terry, but do you think ICA and NEBA will be secretly delighted with the election outcome? Hard to say whether they're dancing on the tables with glee, but certainly I think at this stage we won't see very much change at all. The The impetus for any large-scale changes to regulations or, or laws 
will initially still come from the, the regulators rather than the politicians. As they settle in, it's possible we could see new reforms, although I think the industry has been pretty much reformed out under the previous government. There are areas which are, which are far more positive in, in many ways, at, at this stage at least, that we will look at, which John has mentioned. I think with, with a, a crossbench as activist as this one is going to be, I think that we, we, we will see new opportunities coming uh, on the subject of state taxes. Uh, I don't think we'll, we'll see much certainly happen in the next few years. Sorry, chaps, unless we can manage to make it a, a, a really you know, strong public issue but it's certainly not happening at the moment. And Wendy, will this have any impact on the cyclone reinsurance pool? Its deadline is um, fast approaching and was never going to be met. Well, Labor has said they support it and they voted for it when it went through the um, the parliament. There's the question of whether it should be extended beyond cyclones to floods, and they have said they would consider that, but only after a thorough review, so, so not from the, the get-go. But, you know, they've been very critical of the government for not releasing enough information on the modelling and the pricing and not being more transparent around those claims about the potential savings. So it'll be interesting to see if we get any more information from them now insert pregnant pause here. The Labor government says it's also going to tackle climate change, but a new report says insurers also need to walk the talk, doesn't it, Wendy? Yeah, so, well, this report says about 44% of insurance executives rank climate change as a top risk, but only 43% of insurers have announced a net zero emissions target, and some don't have a clear mandate or tangible goals. So this is a global report, so it's produced by financial services body EFMA and consultancy Capgemini and it's based on a survey and interviews covering 29 economies, including Australia, the US and the the UK. And it also says just 8% of uh, insurers globally qualify as climate change frontrunners, meaning they're taking action that will improve the resilience of their businesses from the worsening effects of uh, global warming. But Terry, do you think the insurance industry is doing enough on this issue? Yeah, we're we're in a strange situation here where where I I do think certainly there there are several of our main major insurers or certainly the top line insurers who who have done quite a bit to make themselves more resilient in their operations. They've done a lot over a long time to keep climate change on the agenda. So I don't see how they could have done much more in many ways, considering the restraints imposed on meaningful programs by the, the previous government. But really what Capgemini is talking about is, is really, you know, individual action. So I'm I'm not sure beyond the the top few as to you know sort of what level of of action has been taken. Not a not a political statement. The previous government certainly didn't do very much, if anything at all, really to encourage individual companies to think about resilience. So really, I'm just stating the obvious. I think now we'll we'll see industry sorting out their roles in, in official climate change programs, and that's really a very good thing. Well, moving on to more mundane matters, John, there's a problem with mould in some of the flooded areas. Yes, that's right. We've been hearing this just anecdotally that that uh, the persistent wet weather up in New South Wales and Queensland was causing a lot of mould. And sure enough, the Australian Apartment Advocacy Group released a statement saying that 
it, it was almost unheard of the level of of mold at the moment and they're getting lots of calls from apartment owners who are concerned now this could cause an issue for insurers who are dealing with flood claims because if mold develops then it, it could just complicate the claim and really stretch timelines and, and and claims costs and all of that sort of stuff suncorp says yes mold is always a problem after after a flooding event especially in areas like southeast queensland and yes, some of the remediation and repair groups are also reporting a lot more calls on this issue. So is mould covered by insurance? No and yes on that on that one. So, so mould generally isn't usually. So if you just notice some mould because you've got a bit of a damp problem or the weather has been particularly damp, then you're probably not going to have much luck. And the the uh, Australian Apartment Ad- Advocacy Group was was concerned about that and, and was really just trying to get the message to its uh, members that it's not always covered. Of course, where it is covered is if it develops from the impact of a storm or a flood. So those 200,000 claimants up, up the coast there from the recent uh, catastrophe they may well be able to claim for mould if they can show that it's developed as a result of those catastrophic floods. Insurers must be used to dealing with this type of thing, Terry, but could the sheer volume of flood claims make this more of an issue? Yeah, probably. Look, it's always going to be a a problem after we we do have uh, floods and then warmer weather, but I doubt it's been this widespread across a large part of Australia in, in this way. Uh, it, it's a massive issue for people waiting for their homes to be repaired or in some cases to even be visited. I guess it, it, it it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that really adds health issues to what's been a, a terrible year for so many thousands of, of uh, flood victims. Yeah, so whether, whether you know, we do have a responsibility, but we, we don't, we... You know, we've just got to stay on top of the problem, I think, as an industry, and it's not going to be easy. We'll be following this issue for a while yet anyway because the solutions aren't going to be easy to to find on such a massive scale. Well, while we're talking about flood, Wendy, one insurer has warned that driving into flood water might not be covered. Yeah, Eric Insurance says driving into floodwaters might be considered uh, a reckless act by some insurance providers. So uh, claims might be uh, refused in some instances. So accidental floodwater damage is covered by most comprehensive policies, but not all of them cover flood damage in all circumstances. Well, drivers probably don't always know how deep the water is. Do you think it's fair, John? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It, it would probably de- depend on the particular circumstances. You'd think that if you know visibility was poor and you didn't didn't realise that you were driving into into uh, deep water, then the insurance should probably pay out. I say deep water; it doesn't actually take deep water to float a car. A small car can be floated away on just 15 centimetres of water, so you do have to be very very careful. Obviously, if 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 somebody sort of realizes there's a, a a raging torrent in front of them and decides to give it a give it a go then you can understand the insurer not wanting to pay out but yeah it's hard to it's hard to differentiate between those two sets of circumstances i guess and you can imagine it coming before afca and afca having to make some rather tricky decisions well finally terry we've launched another feature podcast series what's this one all about it's it is actually a a new podcast series andrew based on the annual vero 
SME index. We've dug deeper into some of the issues that have been thrown up this year by some quite different views that came out of the the SME businesses this year. Quite interesting trends of particularly in in, uh, buying patterns. So this year we've added brokers to the discussion mix along with uh, Vero managers who actually work with brokers. So it's, it's been a a really, really fascinating exercise and, and one that I think will give brokers in particular some new and different insights into the, the changing patterns of behaviour among SMEs and the reason for those patterns and how to deal with them, which is going to be really important. Well, it sounds like a compelling listening. And I've also heard that the, uh, the host is uh, absolutely amazing. He does have a great face for radio, yes. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh, and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.